Wellness Force Radio, Episode 25. Metabolic chaos. The body's changing. Things get burned in, like that pregnenolone steel, the shift in your hormones. Sometimes it gets burned, the pattern gets burned in so well that it's very hard to reverse, especially if you don't even know about it. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Force Radio. I am your host and digital health coach, Josh Trent. Thank you again for sharing this amazing slice of your day here with me on the podcast. If you're here for the first time, this show is where we've tracked down the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. These are the thought leaders. They dedicate their lives to empowering others with knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. Today's show is proudly brought to you by wellnessforce.com. This is a site where you can go to learn how to change old habits with new technology. Explore wellnessforce.com today to see if digital health coaching is the right fit for you. I would so appreciate your support of the show right now. All you have to do is flip open your iPhone, tap me on the chin, open it up, and you'll see a button that says review in purple. It's super easy. It takes 60 seconds, and it allows me to keep the lights on for the show and to keep serving this community by bringing on world-class people who are making a difference and changing lives. Today's show with Reed Davis, we're going to go way beyond just diet and exercise. And it's something where I look back five years and think about my life and what I've learned. There has been times where I've just been like banging my head against the wall. Can you relate? Like, okay, I'm working out properly. I'm eating properly, but something's just not working. Well, today's show, we're going to uncover exactly what that is. The hidden stressors, the hidden causes that are inside our bodies that have nothing to do with exercise or nutrition. Reed is going to unlock a chasm of information and knowledge for us. So stay tuned. Just a quick review. This was a really special one. I want to read the iTunes review right now for you. Michelle writes, I recently stumbled across Wellness Force and was instantly captivated. First, I was drawn in by Josh's soothing voice, which is important when listening first thing in the morning. As I listened on, I was challenged, inspired, and motivated. Exactly what I need first thing in the AM. The show is so interesting and gives me something different from all the other health podcasts I turn into. My only regret is there aren't more episodes. Can't wait to see what Josh puts out next. Well, Michelle, I'm kind of blushing over here with the whole soothing voice comment. So thank you so much for that. You guys can check out Michelle's work at metabolicmama.com. Now, let's jump into the show. Today, I am talking with one of my original mentors way back when I was a personal trainer in 2008 is when I first heard about Reed and the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Program. We have Reed Davis on today, a clinical nutritionist and the founder of FDN. Reed, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Josh. It's really a pleasure to be here. You've been doing a fantastic job all these years, and I'm just really uh, proud to be able to come back full circle and help each other out any way we can and do something for the listeners. This is going to be so much fun, but as I mentioned in the beginning, highly educational. Reed, you have brought FDN to over 11,000 people I saw on the website. You've run over 11,000 test kits now? Uh, Many more now, sure. Wow. Today's show, we're going to discover how to find the root causes of what's holding people back 
different hidden things and symptoms that are coming up, but also combining the mindset and the accountability needed to create lasting health in tandem with these test kits. Also, Reed's going to give away some action steps for the listeners in self-quantification and lab testing. Reed, this show is huge for me. I, I met you back in 2010 through Sean Croxton, one of our mutual friends, and I've seen the FDN program grow to help literally you know, tens of thousands of people now use technology to, to get the health they deserve. What was your interest? I know you were a clinical nutritionist for quite a while at a center here in San Diego, but how was your road to FDN? Where did that begin and, and how did that look? Thanks so much for the opportunity and I'll get right to it. I started working in a clinic, a really successful, nice clinic with doctors and nutritionists and um, acupuncture, kind of a multi multiple discipline thing. Now I was a clinical nutritionist there and they made me the head case manager. So everybody walking in the door had to see me uh, and I would do an intake, talk to them and make sure they got hooked up with the right person and maybe even my own services for nutrition. And two things about it, Josh, that you'll be very familiar with and your listeners will too. Most of the people walking in had a complaint that they'd had for years and they probably had seen two or three or four or five and sometimes 10 different practitioners already. And it completely floored me. You know, I had come from another profession, environmental law. I knew how bad the environment was, but, and I knew what it did to trees and water and animals and stuff. But when I started, you know, then I went back and studied nutrition. And when I started seeing what was walking in the door of the clinic, people were really sicker than sick, sick and tired of being sick and tired, all this stuff, and had been to five or eight people. And I wanted to be the last person they had to see. Now, my skills at the time, being a clinical nutritionist, nutritional therapist, weren't good enough. And frankly, the, even seeing the chiropractor and the acupuncturist and other practitioners in the clinic wasn't good enough. I actually had to invent something. And so I started doing research. I brought my research and writing skills from the law business into nutrition. And so for eight years, I ran thousands of labs. First of all, they let me do anything I wanted at the clinic. Everybody walking in was pretty game to try something different. And I made a lot of mistakes. I ran a lot of labs. I probably didn't need to run, but I was learning. People were willing to go along. So after a long period of time, again, eight years of running, I'll say about 10,000 tests. Um, matter of fact, the labs were asking me, who the H are you? Because no one runs this many labs. So I, was a, I was a lab running freak. And of course, obviously, Josh, I was using holistic protocols. You know, the diet, the rest, the exercise, the stress reduction, and the supplements, things like that, to help people make improvements. And I got to observe. And I really, FDN is about my own observations in that process, um, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And I was able to systematize it, and I was actually asked and uh, encouraged by many, many people to start teaching. So back in 2008, I started teaching, and Sean Croxton, who you mentioned, was actually one of my first trainees. He attended my very first uh, two-day seminar. Well, it's grown into a whole school now. And you came along right after that. I think I met you well before 2010. Yeah, we were downtown. I met you at the CrossFit studio uh, downtown. That was really cool. Yeah, Sean and I did a two-day thing there. And you do have a very soothing voice, I want to tell you. <laughs> On the other hand, I've been told that I have the perfect face for radio. 
<laughs> you have a really cool voice. I actually, the first time I met you, I heard you. I was like, this guy sounds like a really inspiring football coach, you know, and that's, that's probably been why people trust you. You have a trusting voice as well, man. Um, I, I'm curious though, you know, before we jump into the show and we're going to, we're going to dive into what FDN is right now and who it's sure. for and, and kind of unwind that. But mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could share a fun fact about yourself, you know, something that people might not know about you that you'd be willing to share. Oh man, I have a lot of fun too. You know, I'm kind of a workaholic and I've, I've outworked just about everybody around me. It's why I sort of am where I am, if you will. But I like riding motorcycles going up in the mountains. Um, you know, I jump on my bike, I go out and I, I play in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, you've already touched on your path to FDN. So really what FDN is, is something that's a program approach to find the hidden stressors in the body. Can you elaborate on what FDN is for people that might not heard of FDN yet? Sure. It's a system of investigation into underlying causes and conditions so that you're working, you can work on what's really wrong with a person instead of just treating the symptoms and masking the symptoms. Now, that's been uh, played out a lot. A lot of people say that, but I've spent the last, well, since the last century working on this, you know, 16 years now, uh, running labs and looking at what's really wrong. So we can identify dysfunction in the hormones, the immune system, digestion, detoxification, energy production, nervous system, you know, whatever it is. And so I, I love running the lab work, seeing what the healing opportunities are and giving people, you know, holistic, programs customized for them that are bound to make them better almost no matter what their condition is they're if they follow the instructions which is where your technology is really handy you know i can teach the, you what to do and then getting it done you know we, obviously we have a program for that too but it's it's uh requires work requires effort and so so that's basically fdn is the investigation identifying the healing opportunities and then all natural protocols Again, diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction supplements for healing, true healing. And people that have what you describe as metabolic chaos or, you know, it could be gut dysbiosis. It could be a lot of different things. Can you describe what you mean when you say people that have metabolic chaos are a good fit for FDN? Well, I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, as a non-licensed practitioner, I couldn't just diagnose and treat. When I started doing this, I found out soon after I didn't want to. Like, why would I just want to identify some cluster of symptoms, give it a label and go, here's your standard of care treatment. Now, whether that was medical treatment, like prescription medication or something, or even back in the day, you know, there was a lot of allopathic nutrition going. In other words, just sell them a lot of supplements, which admittedly is better than drugs because uh, they're less toxic. Um, they do take longer. You know, so anyway, so I didn't want to do that. And so getting to the underlying cause condition, like we said, identifying those healing opportunities and then understanding, Josh, that you're not treating anything specifically. You're treating everything nonspecific. So this idea of metabolic chaos is that it it exists because we're under assault from, remember, I started off with the environment and a very good knowledge of that, but all kinds of other assaults contributors to metabolic chaos until metabolic chaos itself becomes kind of a primary condition. In other words, someone might present to a physician or to a natural practitioner with certain cluster of symptoms. If they're tired and fatigued, they can't lose weight and their um, extremities are cold and they have constipation and things like that. Oh, that sounds like thyroid. 
So people would sort of specifically go after thyroid. Well, guess what? First of all, all those things could be caused by other dysfunction. And even if it was thyroid, what caused that? And so, so what made the thyroid go dysfunctional or underproducing if, if it is a hypothyroid? You know, why is that going on? Well, the thyroid is part of the endocrine system. It dysfunctions as a result of metabolic chaos. And mm -hmm. then it turns around and contributes back to metabolic chaos, more metabolic chaos. And so everyone's different, right? So depending on one's inborn errors of metabolism or weak links, what I like to call vital voids in metabolism, again, because we're all different, different genetics, you know about all that now, and we have different weak links. So we break down in different ways. All those stressors uh, involved in metabolic chaos just cascade in different ways. So in you, it might be, oh, you have blood sugar problems, carbohydrate metabolism, um, you gain weight, um, but then that contributes to the metabolic chaos. Involved in that might be, again, the digestion, the detoxification, the immune system, uh, hormone imbalances, and in you, that results in neuronal conductivity issues, therefore you have foggy thinking, can't sleep, can't remember anything, you know, things like that. But in the yeah. next person, it's the thyroid. You know, it's like the endocrine. It's sexual dysfunction, thyroid overload, you know, and things like that. So, so that's what I mean by metabolic chaos. It's all the assaults cascading until the metabolic effect is just chaotic. You know, and and that's why physicians don't look. They treat the symptoms, and they pretty much turn off uh, the investigative uh, notion because it's really not their job. You know, they're there to relieve suffering. The interesting thing you brought up was when you talked about the vital voids. And really what that is, is, is homeostasis, right? People have different ways of regulating their internal compass, their homeostasis. The root cause of these symptoms is a totally different treatment path or approach than just healing something on the surface, band-aiding it. When we talk about healing the root cause as, as FDN practitioners do, what does that mean when we look at homeostasis? Because just because someone has, for example, a sore elbow doesn't mean that it's something going on with their neck. The same thing applies to the physiology of the body. Because someone has a GI disturbance, it might have something to do with their oxidative stress or their overall use stress or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Can you touch on that? It's so interesting. It's so fascinating. And um, you have these stressors. They can break down one area. Again, th that can be very far removed from the symptoms. I love that example of thyroid, but you mentioned digestion and things. If digestion isn't working right, you could have migraine headaches, bad skin, things that don't ordinarily appear to be related to digestion. If you ask a person with migraines and bad skin, do you have any digestive issues? Well, unless they have some kind of gas, bloating, heartburn, diarrhea, constipation, they'll say, nope, I don't have any digestive symptoms. So symptoms aren't the thing. And so... The area that's actually breaking down, the loss of homeostasis somewhere, and we could talk about what that property is, um, it just cascades into other areas. So again, the, the uh, underlying function, the critical system that's failing is far removed from where the symptoms are occurring. So you could have maldigestion, malabsorption, poor detoxification, and a weak immune system, and those could be sort of the critical systems that are not up to snuff. Uh, some stage of dysfunction, and yet the symptoms are appearing as migraines or uh, psoriasis or, um, you know, again, the, th the, uh, the endocrine system. Because, you know, how mm -hmm. stress, you know, it manifests as uh, 
sex hormone problems or uh, melatonin, you know, sleep hormone problems or or some other thing. So you mentioned homeostasis, and that can go just something out of balance. That is a property that's inborn. So you could kind of look at it like as a set of instructions. It was given to every particle of every cell in your body, but they may not be following those instructions. Um, th- those That's the idea of the vital voids. You know, it could be genetic inborn errors of metabolism, or it could be acquired things that have happened to you. You know, we, we are organisms that get exposed to other organisms. And uh, so you can lose that property. You're just r- really not following the program. So if, it, if you look at it as like it was a computer program that's given to every particle of every cell in your body, then homeostasis is a balance between that program running right and finding the right environment to run it in so each particle cell cells are part of tissue tissues are part of an organ organs are part of a system systems are part of the overall organism and there's little micro environments throughout the body so the program has to run in a specific environment to run right. What it comes up for me when you talk about these systems that interplay is all the different ways. I mean, this is a complicated machine. The body is like the most complicated machine that's ever been built, in my opinion. <laughs> and there's different ways that things can can disrupt that. You know, yeah. one of the things that I dealt with on a personal level when I first became a practitioner five plus years ago was I was in a really bad state of stage three adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring that up because it's a real phenomenon out there. There's a lot of sway in public opinion back and forth. Does cortisol actually do anything? Does that type of stress really cause different symptoms to appear? And the answer is yes. I mean, I can speak from my own experience and seeing my own test results and the year plus that it took me to have bioidentical hormones to actually fix it. So Reed, touch on, and and I guess you're not going to touch on it because this is your domain, but really expand upon what that stress can do for the body when we look at cortisol and adrenal fatigue. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because it is one of the things that can be measured. See, some of these systems that are deep in the body, uh, you know, again, you'd have to cast a very wide net to to catch a lot of them Um, and, and a deep net too. And there isn't any lab work for some of it. So, it's it's a matter it's finding those underlying causes that are that deep that there knows that are, are there are no labs for can be quite a process it's a process of discovery and application of a therapy so you have to actually do things and see how it turns up but you can get clues about those deep underlying systems with some of the labs that we do have and the first one we always run almost all the time is the saliva test for the hormones and we measure cortisol. Cortisol is known as the stress hormone. And so what does that mean? It means if stress uh, goes up, let's say you get you know, punched in the face or something like that, your cortisol is going to go up. It's, now, so will adrenaline. There's a chain of events here. But cortisol is a, first of all, it raises blood sugar. Probably its main job, it, it would be to uh, stimulate gluconeogenesis. It gets the liver. It'll even break down eventually your tissue. That's why people who overtrain lose muscle because mm-hmm. they are their cortisol needs blood it'll just keep creating blood sugar any way it can it'll burn up um, what's stored it'll burn up what's fat it'll burn up muscle tissue it'll do so cortisol does that it's also a painkiller it's also an anti-inflammatory it's why you're more itchy at night because your cortisol is real low if you have mosquito bites when do they bother you when you go to bed 
Why? Because you don't have any cortisol. You get up in the morning and you know, and your cortisol is real high because you're you've needed it to raise your blood sugar so you can get going in the morning. You're not really feeling the itchiness and things like that because it's a great anti-inflammatory. That's why they use synthetic cortisol as you know cortisone. That's why you put on your skin. You can take it internally. You know, prednisone and these these um, uh, cortisols and cortisones and things like that. So anyway, it's an anti-inflammatory, it's a painkiller, and it raises your blood sugar. So it certainly has its effects. Yeah, I think it's almost the point of, of a balance within the body. We look at the parasympathetic nervous system branch and the sympathetic branch. One of them is, is rest and digest when we look at parasympathetic. The other one's fight or flight. So if a tiger is chasing us or we're in a fight with our spouse or we're having a stressful day at work or whatever it might be, there goes blood sugar. It's going to go north. It's not going to go south. How does that how does that actually maintain over time and how does that chronic fatigue syndrome or that adrenal fatigue actually occur? We know that the adrenal glands are, are located on top of the kidneys, but after a while there's a pregnenolone steal and there's something that happens where cortisol escapes. Can you can you explain what that is? The adrenals are there sitting there and they make cortisol. They also make DHEA, dehydroepiandesterone. That's the parent of sex hormones. So this is why when you're under stress and um, you are, like you mentioned, stealing the, the pregnenolone, there's a master hormone that both cortisol and DHT are made of. Now, if you're under stress, which way might pregnenolone, again, the master hormone, kind of go? It might go more towards the stress hormone than towards the sex hormone. That's why people under stress, and you'd, all you'd have to do is ask somebody, what's your sex drive like when you're all stressed out? You know, <laughs> For most people, it goes down. Not everybody. Um, because some stressed out people also have very strong parasympathetic, which is the, you call it rest and digest. I call it feed and breed, you know, because it, it... I like that. That's cool. Yeah, so, so there's that balance between the uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, it's the sympathetic that turns those adrenals on to make uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine, that's adrenaline, and that goes up into the brain and it hits the hypothalamus and pituitary, and that sends a signal back down to the adrenals once again to make cortisol. So the first thing, if you get cut off in traffic, is your sympathetic nerve, your eyes. I mean, literally, it's the sympathetic nerves. You you see this stuff, and man, they they raise your heart rate, they dilate your pupils, it increases uh, respiratory rate, um, your pu your you you get more uh, blood flowing through the body, and uh, it will raise your blood sugar by raising cortisol. So you end up with this cortisol rise, and uh, man, you're in pure fight flight, right? Mm -hmm. And so that does kind of shut down the desire to reproduce. If you're running from a bear, you don't need to be having stopping and having sex along the way <laughs> and, and the same thing with with going to the bathroom you know like it shuts down digestion you're not yeah. digesting food there's no need to do that while you're, you're trying to escape so that's more of a rest and digest you know you you relax and i always think about the zebras on um discovery channel you know the lions are snooping around and uh then the zebras are all sympathetic they're scattering everywhere and as soon as the lions get one and, and leave the rest of the zebras alone, what do they do? They just kind of go back to eating grass and their nervous system's right back to where it was and, and their blood pressure's down and all that. That's pure fight flight versus rest and digest, you know. That's a cool visual. I, I appreciate that. And it makes me think of when I first learned about FDN, it was almost as if 
our society is wired in a way that we have these little bags of stress and they're just a constant drip all day long. Physiologically, we're wired for short, intense bouts of stress with corresponding nice long periods of rest. So the way in which people are sitting in cubes, going through their life, not necessarily having proper movement, and we'll touch on this with your Dress for Success program at the end, but this is really something that is powerful when we look at the supporting systems of the body. And I want to transition into pathogens because I'll share my experience of a pathogen that I had, but I first want you to describe what pathogens are and and how about going to identify those? Well, you just struck on the great truth, how I discovered or kind of came up with this idea of metabolic chaos. Because again, as a holistic healer, person, someone who just wants to coach people up on how to live in order for them to be healthy and happy, you need to look at the body this way, that it just breaks down. All those stressors that you mentioned, we talked about getting cut off in traffic, things like that. And you're right, you're sitting in your cubicle, you got to produce for the boss, and then you got financial problems or whatever, you got the, the wife and kids at home or, or you know, spouse and, and what, or significant other partner, whatever it is. You know, so you have all these life stressors. And it does start to throw your hormones off. And then that, you know, cortisol is directly connected to the gut as well. And, you know, melatonin, the sleep cycle. And if these things get all, what are, you, what are you hearing from me here? Metabolic chaos. The body's changing. Things get burned in like that pregnenolone steel, the shift in your hormones. Sometimes it gets burned, the pattern gets burned in so well that it's very hard to reverse, especially if you don't even know about it. That you need to reverse it. So now you start talking about, remember, I came from an environmental law background. I really studied the chemicals and the environment and the pollution in the rivers and rivers catching on fire back in the 70s and, and things like that. It was it was really horrible. Now, it's it's this country's been cleaned up a lot, by the way, but by strong, you know, environmental laws. But but the thing is, um, those chemicals are in the environment they're ubiquitous i love that word ubiquitous it means they're every freaking where so they're in our food they're in our air they're in our water they're, they're coming off the tv they're they're just they're, they're in the carpeting they're in your clothing they're you know you name it there's these chemicals now that's one type of another contributor to metabolic chaos because you breathe it in you you drink it in now then you mentioned pathogens well that's another type these are the organisms that we come in contact with they're on your food and they get into your gut now if you have a really healthy gut your body might be able to neutralize them and pass them on through but if you've taken antibiotics, you've kind of maybe ruined some of your natural immune system. If you've eaten foods that you're sensitive to, you can ruin some of the digestive tract. And that's where, what, 70, 80% of your immune system exists. And so now you become very susceptible to pathogens, which are viruses, they're uh, bacteria, they're funguses, they're actual parasites, you know, little bugs with arms and legs and things like that. So, you mm -hmm. know, so now you see metabolic chaos, the contributors to metabolic chaos are, you know, you should just call them hidden stressors. It's all this crap you know about that you hate. It's, you know, and you see on TV and you get just exposed to in your daily life. Um, but it's all the hidden stuff, like what you're breathing and getting in your food, and especially if there's no labeling laws and things like that. And then, of course, what you ingest uh, is, is getting – so you have all these assaults. They do contribute to the breakdown of the body. And they can produce symptoms. Again, remember, the symptoms are the last thing to occur 
in a disease process. So that's why they can be so far removed. And it's why just treating them alone almost never makes you healthier. And I can relate too, because I found that I had a blasto that was probably like blastosis hominis protocol for, I, I want to say it took like six or eight months before I retested. So they're tricky. And I realized that I got it actually when I was in Hawaii, when I was 23 years old, 24 years old. So some of these things for the listeners, if, you, if you're wondering like, Hey, am I, if I'm having symptoms and these symptoms aren't going away, it's probably because those symptoms are just a window into something that's more uh, detrimental to your body that's going on. And that's, that's what I found through my process. But I'm curious, Reed, with people that have pathogens, what types of pathogens are there and what are the three major pathogens that affect people? There's this, you have to understand that we have bacteria in our bodies, more bacterial cells than human cells. And because it's in the trillions, the number of bacterial cells living in the gut. So there's this balance. There's you know a homeostasis in that environment between the good and the bad flora. So not all bacterias are bad, but the, there are some that are unfriendly, let's say, and they can start to overpower and overwhelm and take over the environment, especially in the gut. We always think of the gut. But you can get them on your skin. You can get them in your mouth, in your eyes. You can get them in other orifices and body parts and things. Um, and it can be the bacteria for the most part. So there are bacterial infections. And you know that uh, sometimes you just get um, exposed to it. You can even go to a hospital it's one of the filthiest places there is and get uh strep and uh you know a staph infection absolutely and, i've gotten sick from going to a hospital before yeah they're called hospital acquired in fact h-a-i they have a name for it the the better name is they're called nosocomial nosocomial means they just you get them from uh going for healthcare, and you you get these um overgrowth clostridia and all kinds of things so there's bacterial is the main category Obviously, the actual parasites are more a different uh, genre. You know, they are bugs. Like, again, I always picture arms and legs. They have a, an egg stage, a larva stage, an adult stage, and, and then a, they die off and they reproduce and they stink up the place. And so one of the things that happens to us, Josh, it's not the bug itself. It's what are called the exudates, you know, the, the things that are exuded out of the bodies of these parasites and things. Mm -hmm. They're very toxic. They can be neurotoxic. They can affect your brain. They can affect every part of your body, your nervous system. You can be having all kinds of neurological issues and it's toxins from bugs. Now, um, there's also, of course, viruses. And then, of course, there's yeasts. So the three main pathogens, I would say, because um, I don't deal with viruses a lot, it's more the, the, the yeasts or fungi, the bacterias, and the, and the actual parasites. So, I mean, parasites, you find, you know, Giardia, and you find uh, Blastocystis hominis is very common, and Endolimax um, nana, and, you know, it depends on what test you run, because mm -hmm. different, different labs are good at finding different things. I think they have their favorite bugs. I can totally relate too, because I was having these symptoms where I was tired, but I was also mm -hmm. still super wide awake at night. And we know that, that these critters kind of wake up at around 7 or 8 p.m., you know, once that circadian cycle has turned over. So if you're experiencing anyone listening, the symptoms that I was experiencing, where in the morning I would have really low energy and it would take like caffeine pills basically to get me rolling. But at night I would still be tired, but I'd have this like wired awake feeling. And mm -hmm. that's what led me to go down this path of figuring out that I actually had this pathogen. So 
definitely something to look at if you've been searching for a year or more around that symptom itself. So Reed, I want to transition into the last two, one of them being mucosal barrier, the other one being blocking factors. So when we look at the mucosal barrier, that is that a blood brain barrier type of, of relationship or what actually is the mucosal barrier? Well, the one that we get most concerned with in the early stages is the lining of the gut. It's like your second skin. And it's from the conjunctiva of the eyes through the through the throat, the esophagus, um, your lungs. You have your uh, lining of the stomach. You have the, um, the lining of the intestines, probably a very, very critical part. But the colon, the vagina, the, I mean, the whole urinary tract, there's a lot of mucosal barrier your, your nasal cavities of course but the one that and and by the way we find we do an awful lot of nasal um uh, swabbing you know and looking for infections there because you can detect things there that you probably won't detect any other way in the body it's easy and it's cheap but um the other thing is just look at the mucosal barrier um you can look at it through the antibodies that can be measured and so um you know, the mucosal barrier is basically the lining of your, your gut, your small intestine, and it's um, the mucus, of course, but it's also the antibodies that are uh, sort of hovering there waiting for bad things to come along so that they can neutralize it. And, of course, if that – again, that's what we call it the second skin. If, if some poop gets on your skin, you know, you wash it off with soap and water – you're fine because your skin is tough and it's a great barrier. You know, we have a similar barrier um, inside, again, the mucosal barrier. It's got to protect you from all the crap you eat. And it gets really um, sensitive. It is very, very sensitive. And a lot of things can kind of ruin it. Again, there's also this whole environment there of the good bugs and the uh, sort of unfriendly flora and lots of things going on, all the digestive juices, all the things you're putting down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's quite a, a morass or milieu of <laughs> of elements and activities and uh, properties that are critical to your health. You know, you've, everyone says, you know, you can't be healthy without a good, strong, healthy mucosal barrier or gut function. And it's absolutely true. Not only does the mucosal barrier have to protect you from all that stuff, what else does it have to do? It has to let the good stuff in. You know, how else are you going to get nutrition if your mucosal barrier isn't allowing nutrition? So there's a, it's a very fine environment. It's a very uh, microscopically important. You know, there's villi, which are those little fingers, and those are microscopic. And on those villi are little tiny hairs, which are even more microscopic, that produce enzymes. And, and this idea of absorption and assimilation of nutrients is absolutely essential to health i mean you 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 are what you absorb and assimilate and that's interesting because i've i've studied and i know that you you teach about the leaky gut syndrome what are some of the symptoms that that people might be experiencing that have leaky gut Uh aha see now this is where uh i i don't like to go too hard i mean the obvious thing is oh you could have you know a sore gut but what people end up with if they have it for a long time is more your autoimmune type conditions. Because remember, leaky gut, it isn't like, you know, you poked holes in the gut with a needle or even um, people talk about yeast and how it can plant roots, you know, when it mutates into these uh, very invasive forms and it can sort of poke holes. But leaky gut is actually an immune problem. It's the immune system that, uh, that stimulates 
the production of chemicals, if you will, that simply loosen up the tight juncture. So, you know, the it's not like a garden hose. It's made in sections. And there's uh, spaces in between the cells of the lining of the uh, small intestine, that, that mucosal barrier. And so those um, tight junctures are called, actually loosen up due to the immune activity. So it's um, when you have interactions between, you know, antigenic compound, you know, things coming down the pipes that your body doesn't like, mm-hmm. looks, looks at as the enemy, it raises the level of these antibodies. They're produced in the bloodstream, but they seep up uh, through the bloodstream, through the tissues of the, you know, the mucosa and submucosa layers and right through the villi and into that area, into the gut lumen and on that surface. And they, they meet the bad stuff there. And they're supposed to neutralize it. And then it can get flushed out of the body. But, you know, with continuous assault and then the virulence of some of these things. And you start upsetting the environment by taking uh, antibiotics w- without reseeding, you know, with probiotics and things like that. You, you screw up the environment, you end up with food sensitivities, uh, throw some heavy metals down in there too uh, from whatever, and pretty soon you've screwed it up. And how long does this process take? I mean, for, for someone to actually have these symptoms, as you had said, it could be years, right? I mean, it could be something that's being irritated over a long period of time. Yeah, Josh, you know, what I've seen in my uh, career, which has um, been a long time, certainly not over by any stretch, because I'm a teacher, but I'm also a student and, and learning. But I've seen kids four, five, and six with the earliest signs and symptoms. And it could be just their behavior. It could be they've got ants in their pants or bad skin. It could be that they can't pay attention. It could be a lot of things. So there's so many different symptoms. And what it, what it, most people, they treat the symptoms, right? Now, so I've seen it at that stage. Then I've seen teenagers and young adults who are on medication for this, the continuing cascade, the breakdown of the lining of the small. And then I've seen, you know, 50-year-olds who have colostomy bags because they've had to have parts of their guts taken out because all they ever did was treat the symptoms with, again, steroidal anti-inflammatories and painkillers. And they keep, you know, they don't really change anything or or heal anything. And I've seen even older people with their anuses completely sewed up. They have no colon. They just have a permanent uh, bag, you know, and some of them even feed intravenously because they can't even process food. Wow. So, so, you know, I've seen it from eight to 80 Mm -hmm. in every stage that it could possibly Now, when we look at the blocking factors and and for people that might not know blocking factors, I mean, stress is cumulative. So one stressor stacks on top of another, on top of another. This kind of adds to this physiological load that the body's experiencing. Mm -hmm. So when we look at blocking factors, it could be anything that could be in tandem with a leaky gut, oxidative stress, adrenal fatigue, whatever it might be. Some of the blocking factors I know are in antiperspirants. There's aluminum in deodorant. Mm -hmm. There's also airborne chemicals. I mean, there's, there's aerosols and dryer sheets and clothing and detergents and, and things like that. How big of a deal are blocking factors in creating a toxic load? I mean, are those as serious to look at as the oxidative stress and the adrenal fatigue? Blocking factors are anything that interferes with normal function. So it could, in what some sense, be the way you think about things, the way you perceive the world. You know, if you see the cup is half empty uh, instead of the cup is half full, that's a blocking factor in how you're going to be uh, ha- happy and successful, right? So, so blocking factors could be anything that interferes with normal, healthy 
function, whether it be uh, the brain or, you know, again, the, the, the heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, pancreas, adrenals, ovaries, testes, if you got them, you know, it, whatever function, uh, hormones, immune, digestion, detoxification, uh, neurotransmitter, you, you name it. So I simply call all of those things contributors to metabolic chaos because mm. they and what we want to do as holistic health practitioners is coach down the contributors to metabolic chaos while you coach up function so you give people everything they you know the right food you get them going to bed on time and resting properly you get them exercising which is good for blood and circulation and stimulating and building muscle and flexibility and you know all the great things so so you do the things that coach up function like feeding by the right nutrients the right um you know supplements even i think supplements are very important because food is low quality but you coach down the contributors to metabolic chaos. So you would get out of the diet anything that is they're sensitive to. And we run a lot of food sensitivity testing. There are chemical sensitive things. You find out people like who work on airplanes, they're all toxic with flame retardants, man. It's a wonder they have any brains left, some of them. The power behind what you're doing and how you're helping people, I love, and I don't know if you use this same acronym, it's the dress for success model. Have Absolutely. you changed that or is that the same no. model that you that you were teaching? No, as a matter of fact, if people want to get a pencil handy, I'll tell them how they can get a free copy of my Dress for Health Success manual. It explains a lot about what FDN is. And then our dress, I mentioned it a couple of times already. It stands for diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplements. And I don't own any pennies worth of stock in supplement company. I don't have my own line or anything like that. I know a lot about them, but, and I do, I do teach a lot about them, but, but it's diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction supplements. Why? Because through those processes, those pillars of health, if you will, those are the holistic behaviors that will coach up the function of the body. Every cell, every organ, every system needs to be nurtured and coached up on how to get the best uh, performance out of it to the best that you're genetically able to do. Now, while you coach down, that's where the stress reduction is. I just Everything having to do with get rid of the foods you're sensitive, sensitive to, get rid of the parasites, bacteria, funguses, viruses, get rid of other things in the, like your, the metals you know, out of your mouth or whatever it might be. All those things that are contributing to metabolic chaos, you, you get rid of, you coach that down and coach up function. And it brings to light, I have to say this, Josh, and it's about what are we actually coaching up? We say function. Well, what, you know, how deep do you go? It goes back to what you mentioned about homeostasis. There's a vital reserve in all, in all this. Health is a birthright. So this, this set of instructions, pretty intelligent, came from somewhere. And it's given to every particle of every cell in the body. And if you that, that property of having those instructions, that is your vitality. Those instructions and the way your cells are uh, following those instructions, you know, the, the computer program, if it's running right, that programming, um, that is your birth rate. That is vitality. That is your innate. That's your mm -hmm. innate intelligence. Now, is that the same in everybody's – no, that's where those weak links, inborn errors of metabolism and acquired – uh, you could call them blocking fact, you know, th things, you know, can come into play. And so we just dance between those two things. The process of getting to the underlying cause and condition and truly healing is that 
discovery of those opportunities, as much lab testing as we can get done, and then observations too. I mean, you're, you can see, you, you can observe what changes. So you have to learn how to pay attention to your body. And in that Dress for Health Success manual, again, I'm going to give you a phone number in a second. If you text the word Josh to this number I'm going to give you, you'll get a free copy of my Dress for Health Success manual. And so that process is what the Dress for Health Success system is all about. It's That's how you coach up function and vital reserve because it's all we have to work with. Once people have these informational tools, whether they're working with an MDN practitioner or they're going on this journey themselves, beyond just giving people the tools and the knowledge, how do you actually constitute a framework for sustainable health change? You know, the action, the execution of these test results. Well, that's where the individual health practitioner has to get pretty good at communicating and coaching people up. That is a process. I teach people what to fix and how to fix it. So, or, you know, we don't make any guarantees, but if you follow these instructions, you have very reasonable expectations. We always under promise, but over deliver. And you have to trust, like you said, that mindset, the trust is in that these general principles of health building, you heal everything simultaneously in a sense that will outperform specific treatments. So if someone says, oh, I'm really good at this function or that function. Well, they might have some insights into that one thing, but if they don't have a, a real holistic approach, in other words, you, you, I'll repeat what I said. You can write this down. General principles outperform specific treatments. That's why when people go to the doctor, they're not happy because he goes, oh, it sounds like your thyroid. Here's some thyroid. Yep. Test it. Yep. It's low. Here's your thyroid medication. That's mm -hmm. a specific treatment. Now, I'm not licensed to do that. But I, again, as I said, 15 years ago, I found out I don't want to do that. I want to find out what's really wrong, which means and, and use that vitality, that innate intelligence to and coach that up while getting rid of the, the blocking factors and everything else we get. Again, we're identifying healing opportunities with the lab work. It's lab work. Those guys aren't running. You know, this, it just doesn't seem to be their job or interest. Yeah. And so, but it is my job and it is my interest. And I've devoted uh, the last 15 years. And at 62 years old, I don't feel it. I'm sure I don't sound it. You know, <laughs> if I spend the next 15 years doing it, I'll be a happy man. You talked about each coach having a strong suit and really what coaching is, is this blend of knowledge and execution. And I think what's yeah. going to be really exciting in the future, Reed, is combining wearable technology and self-quantification into this biomarker and actual bioactivity testing that FDN does. Because what I see in the past two years of studying digital health mm -hmm. is it's one thing if people have the information, it's another thing for them to execute on that information. And I think that's what a good FDN coach or any trainer or digital health coach does and I'm curious if, if you could just leave the listeners with three or four things that they could use in their life as keystone habits to sustain better health. Well, you know, I mentioned the, the dress. Let, let me give out that number for those people. It's 802-467-0057. If you text the word Josh, the name Josh, um, we'll give you our dress for health success manual. Don't worry, you guys, if you didn't write that down, I will link this in the show notes as well. So, so the, um, so you follow the Dress for Health Success program. But the, the most important part, probably, it, like I said earlier, Josh, is paying attention. 
because you can fine tune it to where you just know what the metabolic effect of any meal is going to be, for instance, or what the overall metabolic effect of certain exercise program is going to be. Or if you don't exercise, what's the overall metabolic effect of that? What if you just lay in your butt all day long for three weeks? You know, what's the overall metabolic effect going to be? Mm-hmm. And so we teach people the three keys to paying attention or noticing, being aware of, making observations about yourself and the metabolic effect. And you can start with your breakfast. As simple as that. Start with your breakfast. And you can write this down. The three things your breakfast needs to, the overall metabolic effect needs to be one, satiation. You should be completely satisfied with that meal. If you're not completely satisfied, if you're craving something or feel like something was missing, I'm talking about this is what you want to observe about an hour and a half to two hours after eating. You should absolutely still be satisfied and not feel like something was missing. So satiation is is a uh, is a quantifiable uh, benefit and observable um, you know property of of um, health. Something you need to be able to observe about yourself. So satiation is one. You should also have energy. And you mentioned this, Josh. You said, you know, I had that nervous underneath energy. Well, that's not real energy. You know, real energy is I feel energy. I feel like I could do some work. I can Mm -hmm. play hard. I can work hard. I can. And sometimes it involves um, physical, but sometimes it's, it's more than that. And that's when you get into the third element which is a sense of well-being. So the three things you should be able to observe about metabolic effect of anything you do is you should have a sense of satiation, not be craving you know, thin, the cigarettes or candy or coffee or alcohol or, or anything. Mm-hmm. So you should feel totally satisfied with what you're putting in your body. You should also feel that great sense of solid energy that you could do a few hours with the work without getting all beat up. And you should also have that sense of well-being. If you're irritable for no reason or no apparent reason, that's not normal. If you're cranky, if you're irritable, if you're sad, if you just, you know, can't get motivated, if you um, can't stop thinking about, you know, there, there, are, there are things. And that's if you're otherwise sort of healthy. In other words, if someone just yelled at you, well, it's okay to feel a little irritable for a little while, you know, <laughs> you know or something like that. So I, when I, I'm talking about you don't know why you feel irritable or sad and um like if your cat just died feel sad for a couple of days that's a good thing sure but i'm so i'm talking about ordinarily so so um that's a takeaway to me is to really start looking at your activities and like including eating and exercise and and the amount of sleep you're getting and the things you're dealing with on a regular basis, start to think about the overall metabolic effect because that's how you're going to maintain health. And when it comes especially to food, what is your satiety, what, what is your uh, energy, and what is your sense of well-being like? And, and make notes. Yeah, and, and those three things, the satiety, the energy, and the well-being – I'll make sure to link up my experience of FDN in a page that I've created for this episode because this is so close to my heart and I've gone through some of these things in my own life and it's at wellnessforce.com slash FDN. I'll give a full show report there. We'll have all the links that Reed talked about, um, descriptions of metabolic chaos so you can see if you're experiencing some of these things and really people are looking for answers. And, and I think that you, you Reed, started 
pretty much back when Kevin Kelly and Gary Wolf did for Quantified Self. And I think you introduced me to what I would later on learn in life as Quantified Self, because these test kits and everything that the knowledge pieces they're giving to clients are really powerful because what gets measured gets managed. And the ability for clients to have this knowledge is extremely powerful. And I'm going to do my part to share your message, which I think is really helpful to the world. So thanks for what you do. I just want to take a second to thank you for your influence on me and how you've helped literally tens of thousands of people towards the health they deserve. So thank you very much, Reed. Well, Josh Trent, it's an absolute pleasure. When I found out you were doing this, I I just wanted to, to you know reconnect, man, because you know we we hit it off really well years ago. Really proud of what you're doing and glad to be a part of it. Well, my last question before we say goodbye and where people can learn more about you is a, a really individual question and everyone has a different definition. And it's the question for you, Reed, of what is wellness to you? What is your personal definition of wellness? Well, I certainly have to start with that. It. It's more than just the absence of disease. It's having that energy. It's having that sense of well-being. And at 62, you know, I, I want to live a full and complete life. I want to do the same things I did at 42 and 32. 22, you can have some of that life. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to do a lot of I feel of the that. same way. I feel the same way. I'm 35. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> I don't want to do a lot of that stuff over again. Matter of fact, a lot of it, I'm sorry I did. But, you know, I, I certainly, um, you know, the full, full functioning, and I'm a male, so I'll say, it, you know, fully functioning male, um, just until I sort of fade off into the sunset. I'll put it to you this way. We've been trained by modern medicine and the people that push that, that it's okay to, you know, wind it down at, you know, 65. Oh, you're 75 now, or you're, you're whatever. And it's kind of like um, a light bulb that has a rheostat on it. You know how you can turn down a light, it's mm-hmm. bright, you turn to the right, and then you turn it to the left counterclockwise, and it gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And we're supposed to accept that as life. And I don't accept that, Josh. I think we should burn like a candle as bright when you first light it is it is at the end and then it flickers and goes out fast so i want to burn continue to burn just as bright for until you know yeah one day if i don't wake up hey i don't wake up but at least you know i had a good i rode my motorcycle and and went out with my girlfriend and you know and and things like that you know like um, if i do that my last day i'll be happy that's what i'm after Mm, really cool, man. Well, where can people learn more about FDN practitioners? There's over 2,000 practitioners now? Yeah, well over two now, Josh. Yep. You know, I started with a class of 19 people, and Sean Croxton was, was in it, that first one, back in 2008. We've grown. We're in 50 countries. We're in all over the United States, of course, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, and uh, New Zealand, and even parts of Asia, and just all over. It's it's amazing. So people are practicing what we teach them. You can become a certified FDN practitioner, run labs on all of your clients, and uh, follow the Dress for Health Success protocols uh, that are really highly individualized. Um, go to fdntraining.com. Is the short way FDN. It stands for Functional Diagnostic Nutrition which is a phrase that I coined to describe what we do. It's functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com or fdntraining.com for short. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Reed. What a pleasure. And I'll make sure that we link all those valuable notes in that blog post over at wellnessforce.com slash FDN. Reed Davis. Thanks, man. Have a good one. You too, bye. 
such a great show with Reed Davis. I really enjoyed his personality. You know, it's usually the people that have the most spark that make the biggest flame, and that's exactly what Mr. Reed Davis did today. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to hit me up, Josh, at wellnessforce.com. Remember to go to the blog post where you can get all the free downloads and the show notes, as well as FDN information. There's a lot of trainers that uh, email me from time to time, and they're always looking for the tools that'll actually help people, the tools that'll actually move the needle for their clients. And I have to say, FDN is definitely one of those tools. If you guys want to learn more about FDN, go ahead and go to wellnessforce.com slash FDN. Again, you get all the links and stuff from the show today with Reed. Thanks again so much. If you are interested in joining a digital health transformation group, I have one sponsorship spot available. It's a scholarship. It's a free course payment for anyone who's really seeking transformation. If I'm talking to you, if the opportunity to be in a group for eight weeks for free because of how serious you are about your health and wellness goals, that includes webinars, resources, handouts, free technology that you get to use, give me an email at josh at wellnessforce.com. Now you get to go out and have an amazing week using some of these tools you learned about today and all the other episodes. We're here together, community, connection, and accountability. And until we see each other again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.